Okay, Bokatov. Today's daf is we start a new parak. Mem Zion. Let's take a look. Back to what the Kohen Gadol would do. Actually, we've been more or less on what the Kohen Gadol would do for a while, and we were talking about uh, moving the uh, coals aside from the Mizbeach, getting the inner coals, and this time would be with only a gold uh, um, uh, shovel. It would not be whatever you call it, a fire pan. It would not be taking one and transferring, but straight with that one. So now he has he shoveled out the uh, hot coals, and the next stage is actually getting the incense and getting that ready to be brought in. So let's take a look. They, whoever they are, but you know, there are other people around, brought out for him the uh, kaf, the um, uh, like, um, uh, spoon, but not really spoon, whatever, the, um, oh. not, not shovel, um, uh, anyway, the, um, what, what would you call it? Ladle. Okay, ladle. Some type of a large spoon. A ladle maybe is good. And makta, again, makta before meant fire pan, but here it means some type of a container that has in it uh, incense. And basically what he's going to do is scoop out two hand breaths of the incense from this makta, from this container, and transfer it to the ladle. And he'll bring in with the ladle because he's only bringing in exactly the amount that fits in his two, in his two hands. So, chafan melo chafnav, he is chofein, it's a verb, right? Um, the, uh, but he scoops up the fill of his two hands and he takes so he scoops this up from the matzah from the container and he puts it into the ladle a big person according to his bigness and a small person according to his smallness meaning there's not a fixed amount about how much is it is specifically his hand breaths and therefore it differs for each person. But he's kafani with his own hand. Yes, he scoops with his own hand and transfers it into so, the ladle and will take in with the ladle. So there's, there's incense on his hands, actually. Uh, basically, yeah. Okay. Okay, yep. And that was its size. Now, what exactly that phrase is adding, we'll see in the Gemara. Now, the machta here goes back to meaning the fire pan. So it's a little funny using the same, using the same word different. He takes the fire pan in his right hand, the takafi smolo, the ladle with the incense in his left, and now he's all ready to bring it into the Kodesh Kadashim. Didn't tell you, by the way, where the machta is sitting, the fire pan is sitting while he's doing this incense thing. But presumably, whatever, he puts it down on the floor somewhere. And now he picks them both up and he's ready to go in. Yes, Charlie. Uh, this is rare for a cocaine to use a left hand for something. Yeah, so we've been talking about that before, about what things are called an avoda. Avoda can only be, be a means. So we spoke before about the drawing of the lots. Now this seems to be not problematic in the sense that there's no question that this is not an avoda. Um, you know, you could even ask, is the scooping from the top of the Mizbeach an avoda, right? It did say, you know, would that, Bidyevin, would that have been good with a non kohen gadol? Because the Torah says, right, So he shall take a full fire pan, fires from on top of the altar. So does that mean he takes the fires from on top of the altar? Or he takes the fire pan that contains, you know, coals that are from the altar and he brings it, you know, in. So how much is the act of taking the coals part of the avoda? That's unclear. You know, something that has to be becoming gondol. Could that be with your left hand? But that's taking the coals. By, then it says, He takes this in, that the scooping and the transferring is not clearly, not indicated in the psukim, and one could argue, not kavoda. But it is going to be what Charlie raises an important question, because some of those things will require left hand. So while the scooping, by the way, here the Torah explicitly allows your other hand, but it has to be the fill of both hands. Right? When he's going to get to burning the incense, it's going to be the fill of both hands that he's going to release into the fire that uses his left hand. So there's clo- the Torah clearly has to allow the left hand issue. The interesting thing is, and maybe this is what you were asking, is not the scooping of it, but the actual now he's got the fire pan in his right, and, oh, that's what you're asking, and the incense in his left, and there the Torah says, Vehevimi beit la parochet. He brings them inside. So the in, that's, that process is mentioned explicitly in the verse. We often know that by other things, like by the blood, the carrying of the blood to the altar is an avoda. 
you know, I mean, for, for God's sake, the Kokoyim gets back and does his final change of clothes into the white clothes just to bring this stuff out. So, you know, so we would imagine that the act of bringing them in is considered an avoda, and, and Charlie correctly points out that the incense was done with the left hand. So, we'll see, the Gemara will discuss why, why that is, but it is definitely worth noting that issue about the use of the left and what that indicates about whether it's an avoda. So, let's take a look at the Gemara. Machta, the, um, um, what do you mean the machta, the fire pan? Because as we pointed out in the beginning of the Mishnah, it actually means um, a container for the incense. It means something different. Tanalei, we taught in the previous Mishnah, we taught about a different machta that was used to scoop out the, uh, po- the coals. What are you saying here? That they brought out the machta. You know, he, he already had the machta, so it was scooping out the coals. So the Gemara said, no. There are different machtas. There it's a scooper for the coals. It's a different machta here. It's something that scooped out the, uh, the incense from wherever it was that they made it. So it's a completely different vessel here. And he took it from the machta and he took his hand breaths and he put it in into the, um, into the ladle. Titania, Hosilota Kafrikan, and we have a braider that spells it out. They took out an empty ladle, Milishka Sakalim, from wherever the, the room was that contained the vessels. Machta Gidusha, and an overflowing or a heaped up uh, scooper or, or container, Shokitoret, of incense, Milishka Space Afkinas, from the chamber of the house of Afkinas, which is where they made the Kitoret. So you see the Machta here in our Mishnah is a different Machta. Maybe it's not even, I don't know if it's even a similar looking vessel, but whatever it was, it was a container, not that contained the coals, it was a container that contained the ketorah. Now, the, the proof is that there is a machta shell ketorah. That's the, that's the proof. And that's the proof, that we're not talking about the machta, we were talking about the previous Mishnah, it was a machta filled of ketorah. Okay. Chofan Melochofnov, he scooped out... So the ratio of state for the Mishnah are two different machtas. Um, correct. Even in this Mishnah, Nato at the machta, at the last line, goes back to the machta of the Gechalim. It is quite strange. Okay, so where's the cop? It's a ladle, which he transfers from the speci- amount that's exactly the size of hand breath into that ladle, and that's what he'll bring in with so it. So calling it a the machta? I mean, no. The machta is the container that has a large amount of ketores brought from the room where they made the ketores, to which he scoops out the amount that exactly fits in his two hands and puts it into the kaf, which is the thing that he'll bring well, in. Yeah. Okay, each one according to their size, and this was its size. We'll see what that. Kaf yomagipur and lamali. Why do you need the kaf? Meaning, why don't you just have a, a vessel that has the coals and actually have the incense in your two hands? Okay, why do you need a, set, a special vessel to carry the incense? Hold well, that's the question. If you're using two hands to hold the incense, where are you holding the fire? Uh, where are you holding the uh, fire pan? So the Gemara says, Melo chafna, chafna The fill of your hands, um, and you should bring it in. So bring it in in your hands. No, we shouldn't do extra because it's not possible to do otherwise. Navi, what do you what do you want this guy to do? Niayil first bring in the 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 coals and leave them there in the Kodesh Kadashim, the Hadrene Ayil, and then come back out and get the incense and bring it back in. That seems reasonable. Have the coals waiting for you when you come in. No. The Torah only has one act of bringing. It says, Take these coals, take the incense, and bring it. So there's one bringing for the two of them, not two bringings. So you can't bring them in one after the other. Okay. So maybe here's how you want to do it all at once, but keeping the incense <coughs> in the hands. Take the ketores in your two hands, in your, like, you know, in, in your two palms, and put the fire pan on top of it. So, you know, if this is the fire pan, I've got, I don't, you know, maybe I need somebody to help me do it, but I scoop out my ketores, Right? And then I get my fire pan on top of my hands like this, and I bring it in like that. Of course, I, I really hope better hope the, the fire pan the is, is insulated. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't exactly know. We spoke before about the handle being covered with leather. You know, can you cover the bottom with leather as well and insulate it? Plus, you know? plus the handle, where's the handle? Well, you make a short handle, or you make the handle pointing out the other way. Right, so it's going to be very hard to balance the thing, because the counterweight of the, of the handle... Yeah, but so you don't make such a long 
handle. Anyway, let's see what the Gemara says. Let's bring it in like this, okay? Well, okay, but we're explaining why that was necessary, why you couldn't have done the alternative, okay? So let's do that. This is good, though, because it'll prevent the, the Qatar from blowing away. That's true. That's a good point. Okay, so the Gemara says, no, Kimati Asam, that'll get you into the Kaddish Kaddashim, but when you get there, Kimati Asam, when you arrive there, hey, Chilavid, what are you going to do? Because now what you have to do is you have to get the fire pan on the ground, and now you have to, in order that you can now release the Ketoret, but the fire pan is on top of your hands. So what are you going to do? Nishkalei Bishine Vinachte Lamachta, so maybe use your teeth uh, and get the handle and go like that and put it down and then you got on the ground and then you can release it. You can't yeah. use your hand. Yeah. What? No! The Kolodam lo yeba o moed. He's going in alone. You don't think this is an example of communist humor? Uh, no. Maybe it is funny, but I think the Gemara is seriously explaining why there wasn't a reasonable alternative. Okay? So, use your teeth now to move it to the bo- to move it down the floor. You wouldn't act in front of a king this way, moving things around with your teeth. We more so can you not act by God this way, in front of God this way. Therefore, it's not possible to literally keep it in your hands, the Ketoros, while you're bringing in the fire pan. So the Kivan the Lefshar, and since it's not possible to do it that way, Abdimon Kidas come to So we look for other models, and what we know by the Nisian when they brought their gifts, the twelve Nisian, each one on a different day for the you know Chanukat Hamishkan, it says they brought Kaf Achat Meleakatorah, one Kaf, and there's the word Kaf filled with Ketorah. So you see from that model that that is the way you carry Ketorah, it's in a Kaf, and therefore we assume that that's what we are going to do here. Now that's very nice, but. What it does is, um, first of all, it raises the issue as that we'll get to about the use of the left hand and so on, but it also, if you're carrying them both in, one thing the fire pen and one thing the Torah, we're going to have to see also that the trick is going to be fine. You carry them both in, you put the fire pan down on the ground, I have this filled with the Torah, this is, I have to get it into both of my hands. But how do I do that? How do I get something I'm holding into both of my hands? I'm going to have to wind up using my elbows or doing funny contortions. So it also raises the question, of so Tosos deals with that issue um, and uh, he says you know the, what you do there is less contortion it's less using contortions and it's more using your hands and even if you have to a little bit maybe use your mouth or your teeth anyway well let's take a quick look at Tosos he says um, so Tosos says the following that uh, when it comes time to actually transfer, you know, into, you know, you know, you, uh, you know, what do you call it, you know, the, um, the Ketores, you, you know, you use, you know, your fingers to draw it close, or you sometimes use your teeth. So he says, how could you do that? Again, you're using your teeth. You know, how could you do that? Here the Gemara says you don't do those types of things. It's not as, you know, it's not as disrespectful. You basically are holding it in your hands, you're resting it on your arms, you're just, you know, using your teeth as an assist. So that's less disrespectful than to carry something in your teeth. You know, but getting to be a little funny. It's just, it's, anyway. It's like, this is, is this disrespectful of me to talk a whole sentence like that? What can I tell you? Uh, I, what can I tell you? Um, I'm skipping three lines. I've base set So I've got a better way to do it. Make a very long um, handle for the fire pan. Anyway, we said we have a long candle. Make it so long that you can carry it in your underarm. And have the top of it on your hand. Or your left hand. Just lower yourself down. So this is why I don't get it. Get a long uh, handle. You're carrying the fire pan under your arm. You're carrying the incense in here. So who needs to use, and you know, the fire pan is here. Maybe it's not suspended in air. Maybe the base of it is on top of your hands. It's on top of your arm. But it's basically, you're also supporting it with the handle under your arm. You get there, right? You, you know, you move this away. Away, you and you lower it down with your body without your teeth. 
right? And you lower it straight down to the ground. It's being supported by the handle in your arm. I got a way you can do it without your teeth. Satosa says, that would cause some of the uh, coals to spill out. No question. Or, so it's not just about your teeth to use your underarm to uh, lower it down. So anyway, the point is it would have to be very contorted if you would do it. So therefore, you do two separate things in two separate hands. You don't actually carry it in with your hands filled with the katoras. But we are going to have to see how they transfer the katoras from one vessel into two hands. And that also will have to be contortive and we'll have to that word and we'll have to see how that plays out when we get there. Okay, back to the Gemara. You'd have to miss it only a little bit. All right. <laughs> yeah, that says yeah. Okay, so not just a not just a mock from the, from the ladle back into his hands again? Because... He put them from his hands into the ladle. Right, uh, yes, but the assumption is that the... Um, exactly how to describe... Right, but the assumption is that when it's... That the burning of it, you know, has to be done with Yad of Shel Kohen. It's like... Um, I mean, I actually see what, exactly how it's described in the Pesukim. But the assumption is right that the the ladle is a sort of is a you know as a concession is a necessity in order to convey it, but that the actual avoda is done with chasna. It's very, very um, powerful. The imagery of the it just says v'natan al ha'ish. But you know the assumption is it means he puts it directly. He puts it with maloch, you know, with maloch chasnav. But uh, right, this is just a concession. That's that not the actual clue used for the avoda. Hands are very powerfully symbolic. Right. Yeah, things that have to be done with you know gufo shokohen. But no, sometimes obviously he does it through a vessel. You shacht with a vessel. You do things. You know, you throw the blood with a vessel. But here the vessel's a concession for allowing it to be carried. Okay, so not only the machti b'yamin v'sakafti small. So the fire pans in the right hand and the ladle with the incense is in the left. So the Gemara says, Yetziva ba'ara v'giyarbish meishmaya, the citizen is on the ground and the uh, sojourner, the stranger, is up in the heavens, meaning it's like, you know, it's the exact opposite. The thing that's more important, the incense is in the left hand and the thing that's less important yeah, is the, the, the right. Yeah. The cold is in the right hand. So the Gemara says, no, zumaruba v'zumaretes, one is a lot and the other is a little. Even if you've got a coin that has big hands, so you have the same sort of volume of incense as you have of coals. Because remember, we said there were, th- how many cob of coals did we say there were? There were three cob of coals, right? That's a lot. I don't know exactly how much, but it's a lot. Even if you've got a coin that has a large hand and it's the same volume, um, uh, like Rabbi Shmel Ben Kimchi, so the coin got with large hands, nevertheless, one is hot and one is cold and therefore I don't know why hot and cold make a difference which you're carrying but I would have said what Michael said which is um, which is you know nevertheless one is ha- a lot heavier than the other if it's high you have to be more careful then you need maybe more control right. so that's the truth that, that's true um, okay so now let's take a look um, if you take Rashi says um, so Rashi by the way says Maruba by the way means Kveda so, you know, uh, that's heavier, which also, you know, you would want to say as well, is part of the difference. Okay, now, by the way, though, it is worth pointing out that even with those practical issues, again, not to, not to harp on it, but you're taking the one that is the more important one in, in the left hand. I mean, you're using the left hand for a process, an avoda, you know, whether you call it an avoda is a question, but a process that's described in the Torah. But you have to say that, again, you don't have a choice. Look, even if you did it, Malochovnov, literally, you'd be bring, using your left hand in the conveying of it into the Kodesh Kodashim. So using of it in this way is already anyway sort of implicit. You have to be using your left hand. Okay. Now that we mentioned Yishmael ben Kimchi, the Kohen Gadol with large hands, we're going to talk about him for a minute. Amru alavar of Yishmael ben Kimchi, they said about him, Sheyachofin arba'at kavin, he would have in his two hand breaths four kav, which is bigger than the volume of the coals, which were three kav, bimlo chasnav, in the fill of his two hands. Um, the Omer, Kohanashim, and all the women would say, 
Zardu, Omer, and they would say, excuse me, Omer, he would say, Zardu, all women have Zardu, we'll see what that means in a minute, but the Zared of my mother went to the roof, meaning my mother's was greater than all of them. So what does the word Zared here mean? So, you know, Jastro um, says that Zared means like have, you know, have uh, performed valiantly, like, you know, Atalit al Kulana, you know, um, um, but, it, 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 but it's like a, gener- a generic word that means performed val- val- um, valiantly. Um, but we'll see the Gemara actually interprets Zared in a more, it's funny, it seems like Zared the Gemara recognizes as an ambiguous word and gives two interpretations for what it means. So let's see, let's see what the Gemara says. Um, some say the Arsan, it means Regarding arson, arson is a type of a like a crummy uh, bread or dough. Oh no, um, isn't no, 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 no. Rashi refers it to another Gemara that uses zered and, and arson as two different types of ways of making like bread. Yeah, the Rabbi Bar Yochanan, Yonatan, the Amar Rabbi Bar Yonatan, Amar Rabbi Yichio, arson yafeluchole. Arson is good for a sick person, and Rashi says since pregnant women are often you know uh, you know of weak uh, you know they are not in the best uh, physical shape. So eating this food is good for them. So it means my mother took care of herself during her pregnancy. She ate right during her pregnancy. And that's why I turned out to be such a healthy baby and such a large ba- person. And that's why I have, you know, I'm so big and I have these large hands and presumably I'm a large person. So the word Zered here, the way Rashi explains it, does not just mean my mother is exceptional. It means Zered is specifically a word that's used as a type of a bread together with the word our son. And therefore it means it's a way of saying that, you know, my mother took care of herself, you know, took care of herself for health so well when she was pregnant. Again, maybe there's like a double entendre. Maybe it both means she's amazing and it has the, and it has because the word there also has a sense specifically of this type of bread. So that's one reason, one explanation. The Iga Amri, some say his, what his reference was, again, either the meaning or the double entendre of his reference of the word Zered was the Shechvat Zerah. Regarding semen, what can I do? Rabbi Avo, like Rabbi Avo, to Rabbi Avo Rami, Rabbi Avo shows a contradiction. See, one verse says, "Vatazreni chayil amilchama." You God have like the pshat of the person says, "You have girded me with strength for war." But it's using the word "tazreni zera," by the way, and also there's like a lot of alliteration going on. Zera, and also zore is to winnow, right? And um, um, so, so what with a hay? No, no, I know, but I'm telling you, you know, alliteration. Zore with a hay is to winnow, and what it means is like the choice semen. So I was sort of conceived by the, uh, you know, by the by the choice semen. So therefore, yeah, I know, I don't know how his mother made it happen or whatever. Once it's in there, yeah, exactly. Well, that's true. That is true. Well, but my mother was very angry. I'm so great because of the way my mother took care of herself. Right. Okay. So Tazreni Chayel, Luxiv, Azreni with an Aleph, Chayel Amilchama, which girds me. So, so we understand the idea of to gird, but what's the Tazreni without the Aleph? So Amr David So David said before God, we don't show Aleph out to the universe. Zeritani, you have winnowed me. Again, the way Rashi reads this, meaning that you have, uh, you know, uh, winnowed out the sperm so that I was conceived by the choicest of the sperm. And Vizir Zartani, and that has sort of, you know, strengthened me. So, anyway, the point being that based on what sperm created the, uh, the, uh, the um, conce- you know, led to the conce- uh, insemination, that created me as the wonderful, strong, good person I am, right? Exactly why he's attributing to his mother is unclear. Rashi also points out that the word zeret is a type of a, um, is a type of a grain or a, not, whatever, a plant that's like long and thin, so maybe also it relates to somehow symbolically like some type of a choice, uh, choice of sperm. Okay? How do you get that from arson? Not. It's a different explanation. One is there is a word associated with our son and refers to a type of bread, and it's about she took care of her health. And the other is that the word zera is associated with zera and zora and refers to a, the choice sperm. Okay, and also says zera is a type of a, uh, of, a, of a plant or something that grows long and thin, so it has the reference of, it has a different illusion of the choice sperm. Okay, so Amor Rabbi Shmuel ben Kimchi. By the way, it's interesting that it refers to his mother. What about his father? 
so um, okay, so I thought that the yeah. Arsa was a play on Arisa. That's Arisa. Like the little bag. All right, maybe I was thinking about it. Maybe okay. I'm all over Rabbi Shmuel ben Timothy. So why mentioning his mother? We'll see. They said about Rabbi Shmuel ben Timothy. Once he was having a conversation with a certain Arab in the marketplace, and a like stream of spittle came from the Arab and hit his uh, hit, hit his clothes, and basically Chazal have uh, you know assigned the given the status of like a zav to all uh, non-Jewish men and zav to non-Jewish women, which means that any type of spit is like an av hatuma. Um, and therefore, it made him tamei, and so, and he couldn't go to the mikvah just you know immediately in bitachor. So what happened? The nichnas Yeshovah echav umishav achiv v'shimish pachtav, and his brother Yeshovah went in and did the service in his stead. The rasa iman shnei gadolim biyom echad, and his mother saw two kohanim gadolim on Yom Kippur uh, t- together at the same time, like in her life, or maybe literally on the same day. So Rashi says it was Yom Kippur. The Marsha says it's a little hard to imagine. He, he, was was just, he took a little break from uh, the Avoda in the Beit HaMikdash and went out of, to speak to some Arabs. So he says maybe it was like Erev Yom Kippur. But it means, so if it was Erev Yom Kippur, it could have been any day of the year. Meaning, I mean, okay, maybe it means that the, his brother served on Yom Kippur and then he went back. Maybe it wouldn't have been a big deal if his brother served as the Kohen Gadol, you know, on Wednesday in the middle of a week. You know, so if there's significance that her mother had a son as a co- another son as a coin god, though, it wants to assume Yom Kippur. You could have said it has nothing to do with Yom Kippur. But somehow it seems at least... Wait, I'm sorry, but if this is Arab and Kippur, then it would have been a full Yom, right? Then he couldn't have done it on, like, Yom Kippur Day? Yeah, so that's why I don't exactly get, right, maybe it means that he didn't have a chance before nightfall, you know, something like that. In any event, uh, this whole thing anyway, to illustrate how he could manage... Uh, so much weight of well we, we started because he's so big and how he had this big katoras yeah, and so on but now we're talking about stories about him but, about yeah exactly. but I agree with you know Michael Frizzo what's he doing anyway isn't he supposed to be a week separate from people yeah. leading up to Yom Kippur <coughs> he's also leaving the base of Mikdash in Bayern to talk to some strangers so I don't get I don't get why I have to okay. talk about Yom Kippur maybe it just means his, her mother had two, two sons service pointing to Dolan on the same day even not Yom Kippur but anyway Rashi has it on Yom Kippur yes Sensel says Yerushami says that the uh, this was an Arab king and he therefore had to come out and speak a sort of that's what Rashi says. No Arab king. Yeah. yeah. Oh, which one are you meaning? No. Calling out a halovik means has nothing to do with an Arab king. It's just anyway. We're not up. To, we're not up to that yet. We're not up to that yet, and it's not about an Arab king. Let's go on. Okay. So that's story one. Okay. The Shuvam roll over Rabbi Shmuel ben Kimchis. They also said about Rabbi Shmuel ben Kimchis. Pamachos yatsa v'siperim adonech b'shuk. Once he left to speak to some right, right great uh, personage outside, v'nitzat sinor mitiv abgadav. And again, he was hit by the spittle, and now he's tamei. V'nichnas Yosef achiv v'shimish kachtav. And I don't know what happened to his other brother who last time took his place. No, yeah, because once you're you're elevated one day, right? Then aren't you sort of limbo? Yeah, but then couldn't you couldn't you serve when the coin god again becomes disqualified? Um, so anyway, now his other brother went to serve in his stead. Um, and then again, his mother saw her two sons as coin god on the same day. Of course, it's pretty funny at the expense of her first son. It's like this uh, joke that these uh, two uh, uh, Jewish women are talking to. So you know what? Tells, uh, hadn't seen each other for a while. So whatever happened, you know, you know, to your daughter. So um, Miriam said, "Oh well, you know, she um, oh she married this lovely." doctor, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, so wonderful. I said, yeah. But they got divorced. She said, oh, he never. He said, yeah, but then, then she met this other wonderful guy, a lawyer. Oh, so wonderful. He said, yeah, but they got divorced too. Said, but, but then she married this other guy, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know, what, what would it be? Like, uh, you know, um, uh, a businessman who says, oh, yeah, but they got divorced too. She says, he says, your daughter, she, she married a, a lawyer and a doctor and a businessman. So much nachas from one child. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, I think I told the joke a little wrong, but you get the idea. Anyway, so you have so much nachas. We got it to know this. Okay, anyway, uh, but the Shah is a little bit bothered by the way of matching up these kohanim with, with, if you remember, the list of the kohanim yeah. we before. Anyway, he points out that there, it mentioned, it mentioned a, um, what do you call it? It mentioned a Rebbe Shmuel by the father's name. 
So he suggests that the reason here it's mentioning it by the mother's name, although we're going to tell another story about the mother, is that maybe he, the three Karnim Gedolim who were all brothers, were all brothers by the same mother, but not by the same father. So really it is all being connected to her, and that ties into the next story as well. So let's take a look. Um, Tanar we talked about the Shiva Banim, how you were seven sons. The Kulam seems to be Kunagdola. They all, so maybe seven times a lot of fit, or some of them, one died, or whatever. So, and again, the Marsha says that, that it was her that it was attributed to, not the father. Maybe it were different fathers. Amrullah Chachamim, so the sages wanted to know what it was about her. Masit says, Achit Lekach, what did you do that you merited having so many sons that were all Karnim Gedolim? Amrullah she said to them, Yamailo wrote Chorus Beiti Kil Esa Ari. From my, from never in my, in my days, the beams of my house never saw the braids of my hair. Meaning I never even took off my hair covering even inside the house. So Amrullah, so they said back to her, Harbe Asutain Viloho Ilu. Many others did that way and it didn't do them any good. So it's quite fascinating because this is often quoted as an ideal, you know, for women about this whole issue about about covering the hair and sniut and you know, you know, as we know, there's like some, you know, some people go really, really overboard about stringencies around sniut and about you know the weight of women's responsibility about that. And this gemara is often quoted. Look at this as the ideal and the only sons calling gedolim and so on, and even inside of her house and so on. So the question is, right? What do you do with the response back? Is the response back like, like? Like, you know, um, like, yes, that's a wonderful thing, but there's got to be other things going on as well, because this doesn't do it all by itself. Or is the response back like, no, that can't be what it's based on, because other people do it and they don't get the same result. So that's what you think it's based on. That just because you think that that's what you're so great about you, doesn't necessarily mean that objectively that's correct, that that's what's so wonderful. And that's what led to this. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the point to this, the Mayuri says that Hashem decides what's the proper reward is for every woman who does that. <laughs> right, okay, there is that. <laughs> but does this also mean in Yamai, when she was married more, or even when she was a Right, could be even single. That's an interesting other discussion. Tonerabanan. Sorry, no, Tonerabanan, Rabbi Tan. Bikum so, that in his, in, now this is going about a similar act, but not the double hand breath, but the single hand breath that's taken from the mincha when you offer up the comet. Yeah. Yeah, normal mincha. Correct. A normal mincha. We're doing it as a point of comparison. So a normal mincha, the hand breath is taken and offered up, and then the rest of the mincha is eaten. Torabanan, bikum so. Shelo yasemiza lakomet. Do not, you cannot actually say, I'm going to measure out how big my hand breath is, and I'm a Kohen, I'm going to measure it out, and from now on, I'm not going to actually dirty my hands and scoop it out physically with my hands from a mincha. I'll just scoop it out with this pre-assigned plea that's exactly the right volume. No, you can't do it, because it says, You take out of the mincha with your hand, with your hand breath. Not the size of your hand breath, but with your hand breath. You actually have to use your hand itself. So he buy loose, so they asked a question. Can you, do you have to actually scoop out, this is uh, similar to your question, Jonathan, but at the other end, at the beginning, do you ha- can you have to actually scoop out the stuff initially with your hands, or if you know the volume of your two hand breaths, when you do the initial scooping out, maybe you could do it with a vessel. Maybe you don't have to do an act of scooping it in order to bring it in. So Ibailu, Mashiyasamidalikhafina, can you do make a vessel that's the size of your hand breath? Um, and why should that be different? Because by the mincha it says literally with your hand. With your hand breath. It doesn't say you shall take with your hands. What does it say? The fill of your hands. So it could be the amount that fills your hands without actually scooping it out yourself. So Ketorasamindaka, low. You don't have to actually use your hands in the scooping. Oh, Yoma, or do we say, Yo, if Malo, Malo, Mikum Tso, we make it Shava. Because elsewhere it says, Bikum Tso, it says, Umalo Kum it says, uh, what's the Pasuk say? Kamats Misham Malo Kum and here it says, Malo Chafnav. So even though it says the fill, we can learn out from the link to the comments that it means with your hands itself you have to do the scooping. So what's the, what's the story? Tarish Makam, and here, Mishnah after saying big person big big amount small person small pound says this was the measure so what's that extra phrase mean this was the measure my love does it not mean um, maybe this was the measure means what matters is not the act of scooping what matters is the size 
And if you have this measure, that's fine. Even if you just measured it out, even if you didn't use your hands. Maybe that's what the Mishnah means. Love. No, that's not what the phrase means. Here's how you could read the phrase. What it means is, the same way you would do the scooping outside, when you got back into the Kodesh Kodeshim, you'd scoop it out again. Okay? And that's what it would mean. So the Gemara said, so you, this means, you would do the same process, is what means Kachaya Midata. So the Gemara says, Shmas Minah, can you infer from this, Chofein V'chozer V'chofein, that you scoop it out twice, you scoop it out at the beginning and you scoop it out at the end, because that's how you're reading in this Mishnah, and we'll see later what the alternative is, right? Is the alternative, like Jonathan said, spilling straight from the vessel into the fire, or maybe the alternative is putting it in your hands, but not scooping it out with your hands, okay? But the way you're reading it, you're reading that the Mishnah is saying you scoop at the beginning, you scoop at the end. So that's going to be discussed later, whether you do another scooping at the end. So is that really what, so are you going to come down on that side? The says, no. No, then I'll say the others, then I'll argue back. Maybe it doesn't mean scooping. Maybe it means you can use a measure without doing scooping. Or what it means is, it has to be exactly the fill of your hands, no more, no less. Now that's the easiest read of the Mishnah. It says the big one according to its size, small one if you're small, this was the measure, meaning it has to be, ex- all it means is it has to be exactly this size. Exactly the size of your hand breaths, whether you're big or small. But the Gemara suggests two other possible reads of it. Either Kachaya Midasa could mean you can use this size even if you don't do it scooping, or Kachayami Dasa means the same way you would scoop when you began, you would scoop at the end, and we'll discuss that later. But the Gemara says you can't pin me down to one of those two answers. You want to prove whether you can use something, whether you can use a, a vessel rather than do the scooping, whether you do another scooping or not. Anything you try to argue, I'll say the phrase in the Mishnah means the other. And you can't pin me down. But they've got now three possible reads of that phrase either exactly that amount, a simple read, or use that amount even without scooping, or scoop again when you get to the Kodesh production. Yes? You said that the Kodesh scoops it out yes. and puts it into a vessel. Right. And the vessel is the size of the hand. What are we doing now? At the end, we're going to take it, we're going to scoop it out of the vessel yes. and then put it on the... Fire, yes. What for a second time, right. you're going to lose something. So the Gemara is going to talk about how to do that, about exactly that challenge. It gets labeled as one of the hardest of votos in the Mikdash. How you can... Well, what? No, it's two ends. The, 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 mincha, the mincha is a komet. The katores is a melochofnov in the plural. It's two hands. Both scoop of both. So we're going to discuss that. that that's going to be the whole discussion coming up. How to, how to get it all back out. Now, you can get around the left-hand rule if, the, if it's going to go from point A to point B in a, let's call it this, in a vessel. Yeah. A metal vessel. Yeah. So you have your metal vessel. Right. And the vessel that you're putting it on, I'm looking at it as a ladle with a hook on it. Uh-huh. You just hook it on the elbow and you're carrying it. St- you've got right. everything on the right hand. Right. So when you get there, you put down your plane. <laughs> so that's brilliant. I was sort of wondering that as well. Why we're only imagining that you can have a straight that you can have a straight handle, like thinking about using some type of a hook. I was thinking about like a ring that you could hold on to, but a hook is even a smarter idea. Yeah, I don't exactly get why that wasn't a possibility. That's a, well, you're not saying it wasn't a possibility. They just haven't described that. They're just saying what. If you do it this way, you've got these problems. Well, no, but the, that explains why you have one in your right hand, one in your left hand, which is what the Mishnah okay. says. So, that, so I don't know why it did not have the hook idea. That's a very brilliant idea. Okay, so let's take a look now. So we don't know if you have to literally scoop it out the first time, or can you just do melochafnov and that amount. Okay, Tanarabana. Now we're going to go back to talk about the comments by a normal mincha a little bit. Melochumtso, um, the fill of your handrest. Maybe it means like, you know, sort of uh, um, overflowing. Talmud Lomar, with your hand breath, meaning which is like a precise word, as opposed to melo, the sense of fill, could be even overflowing. If it's just with the hand breath, maybe it doesn't fully fill it up. Maybe it's just like a little bit that fits under the t- tips of your fingers. Talmud Lomar, no, it has to be a full amount. So you have to get like a full amount, you know, you have to get as much in as you can in the volume here, but without it overflowing. 
like people would normally take a hand breath of something. Hakei said, how do you do it? Your three middle fingers are folded over onto the palm of your hand. The comet and you scoop up into them. Um, um, and now how about if you're scooping from a mincha that is not just flour, that is baked? So some type of a fried or, a fr- or the different frying pans of the mincha. So you're having to scoop stuff up that is like hard. Now you would crack it into like halves and quarters and eighths, but you'd still be talking about like some more like solid thing rather than something that's more flour. So that you would have to mochik the godlo milmalo be'ekfok tana milmaka. So there you're not going to have it easily sitting in. Stuff will be sticking out. So you have to use your thumb on the top and your pinky on the bottom to break those stuff that's on the top and to smooth it out. This was the hardest avoda in the mikdash to break the stuff and to smooth it out and get the exact amount um, into your hands without getting too more. So you can use the other hand. Use your other hand. This is all with the right hand. Mark says, though he was too low, this was the hardest avoda and nothing else. Faika Malika, we have a Mishnah that says that doing the Malika was the hardest of vote in the Niktash, the, the uh, cutting the neck of the bird with your, with your uh, thumbnail. Vaika Hafina, we're going to get to, as was pointed out, you're going to have to re-scoop the stuff and, you know, and get every little last piece of Ketoret back into your hands. That's going to be labeled as one of the hardest of voters of the Niktash. Ella, Zuhi, Mea Vodas Kashashashat Niktash. This is on the list. This is one of the hardest of photos, not the hardest, or not the only hard one. Okay. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, By Rabbi Yochanan ben Uzzah. Ben, okay, Rabbi Yochanan ben Uzzah asked the following question. What about the stuff that's between the fingers of Malokum Tso? It's not, under, it's not under your fingers here. It's not sticking out that you could see it, you know, from, with your fist. It's the stuff that is exactly being held between your, two, between your fingers, okay? The stuff that's right here between your fingers. What's the story? Yeah, what is the status? I don't know. I don't know. Shemalokum Tzomahu. So is that considered to be the Komet, or is that considered to be the Shirayim? Do you burn it, or do you not burn it on the altar? So, Amorapsomalokum Tzomahu. Amorapapa. The Gavai Lotipai The stuff that's on the inside of the hand, obviously that's not a question. The Vadai Kometsu. That's definitely the Komets. The barai, the stuff on the outside, maybe it's sort of, you know, coming from between your fingers, but it's visible on the outside. So that also, loji bailachai, well, I don't have a question. The vadai shirayimu. That's definitely the remnants of the mincha, that's eaten. Kidi bailachai, again, we're at a mincha, we're not at the, we're not, but we're not by the, uh, by the, by the ketorah. Kidi bailachai, my question, the question is the baini baini, the stuff in between. Not on the outside, not on the inside. My. What's the answer? Rabbi Yochanan said the exact thing. So why is Rabbi Papa repeating it? He's just clarifying. Yeah, he's just clarifying exactly what's being asked. Okay? So I'm Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan said, Hadar Pasta, Yoshua ben Uzzah. Rabbi Yoshua ben Uzzah, after raising the question, finally came to the conclusion. What's the conclusion? That it's a suffix. Now, your response should be, what do you mean? Came to the conclusion. He started saying, what's its status? And he concluded to say it's know. a suffix. I don't know. So Tosos, very nice Tosos. If you take a look, Tosos says, Hadapashti, Benabanam suffix. Tosos says, Lo Yadanamai Kamar, Hadapashta. Then he concluded, Hamekaranami Saki, and me baile suffixu. He already said it's a suffix. So Tosos is a very nice answer. But Shemi Yishlomer de Mekara Misafta, I originally had a doubt. I thought I could come out one way or the other. Whether to put it in category A or category B. What was his conclusion? It's a doubt. Meaning, not just, I'll never figure this out. It's too hard for me, I'll never figure it out. No, the meaning that it's a doubt is, and it's no longer a question to me, does it fit in category A or does it fit in category B? It's in the category of suffix, meaning, a very nice analogy to this is the idea of Bain Hashmashos. Okay, the Gemara says, is Bain Hashmashos the period after sunset till it gets dark, dusk, is that day or night? And it says it's a suffix. So, the normal understanding of the suffix is, it either is day or night, we just don't exactly know what that point of transition is. But Rav Salvatic has a very beautiful piece where he develops the idea, he's not the only one, but he develops the idea that it's not that it's 
there's some point that's the transition and we don't know exactly where to pinpoint it. No. This period of after sunset, before dark, dark is by definition neither day nor night. It's some type of, you know, middle zone that, that's in between day and night. And it has a halachic status as a suffix. It's not just, it's one or the other we don't know. Like the Gemara's like question is also, like a yeah. koi, right? Koi. Is it a chaya, is it a behemoth, or is it a brilliant bisneatzma? So Tosa says the hotter pasta is, it's not like I don't know how to categorize it. By definition, I this is, I'm categorizing it as, as, as indeterminate. Its status is indeterminate. Its status is, it is neither, ain't unable to be defined as either one or the other. That so that's what, so that's, that is an identity. That's an identity. So now let's see if the Gemara's going to say So what do you do? So let's take a look. Okay? So he says like this. Um, so, back to the uh, so, back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says, hey, Chiyavit, so what can you do? So I'm already chanina makdir komets lechudei. So the stuff that's under your fingers that you burn up—that's definitely the komets tchiwa that you burn first. The harder bein abinayim, and then after you've burnt that, then release the stuff between your fingers and burn that. Now, why? Why do you do it that way? Well, obviously, the stuff between your fingers you want to burn because it might be the komets, and then you have to burn it. But why do you do it in two stages? We'll talk about that too. If you say first you burn the stuff that's between your fingers at the same time with the comets, then you got a problem. Maybe there's Shirayan. So why is that a problem? Because then it would mean that before you did the Haktara, the, you, you finished the, the Haktara, some of the Shirayan was lost. So forget the fingers. Let's imagine I take the comets. I have my leftover mincha here, and some of it spills, and some of it gets ruined before I burn my comets. So the halacha is, you can't go ahead and burn the comets. The comets can only burn if there's a full amount of the shirayim. The Amar Mar, and we teach, shirayim shechashu ben if some of the shirayim get wasted, lost, between the act of the, of the taking of the comets and the burning of it, you can't burn the comets. Tosas actually points out there's a debate. Some say the whole mincha is puzzle. Some say if you burn the comets, you won't be able to eat the shirayim. But either way, it's a problem. And therefore, if I burnt everything at once, then that would be, or certainly if I burnt between the fingers first, but I imagine even if you burnt it at once, then when the katoris is being burnt, you don't have the full amount of the shirayim. And therefore, you have to first release the stuff that's definitely the comets, let that be burnt so you have the full amount of shirayim when that's being burnt, and then you release the remainder that's between your fingers. So the Gemara says, now it asks, um, now it asks Michael's question, Ehoth, fine, I get why you do that in two stages. But now you, the flip case is you might be burning stuff that's the shirayim. Hashanami ikrikan koshani menu ishim Anything that from which it you took the stuff that goes on the fire, meaning anything that is the shirayim, you're not allowed to burn on the altar. So you're not allowed. You can't burn on the altar the shirayim. There's a biblical prohibition of lo tatiru menu ishel Hashem, which Chazal say apply to the remnant of the mincha. So how are you allowed to burn it on the altar if this might be the shirayim? So Amarev Yehuda Braid Rabbi Shimon Ben Pazi Demakjale Lishum Eitzim. When you burn it on the altar, you don't burn it as 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 comets. You're saying I'm now releasing the stuff between my fingers, and this should be treated just like fuel for fuel. the altar. Fuel. I'm not doing it yeah. as a. I'm not being maktirit. I'm not offering it up as an offering on the altar. Baal taktiru, which is a, an issue to do with the shirayim. I'm just putting it on for fuel, and we know that that is able to recategorize it. To the Rebbe Eliezer, like Rebbe Eliezer says, the time we talk in the Brisa, Rebbe Eliezer Omer, L'reach nichoach iatama aleh, right? So this is the halacha about a similar case. You have limbs of a chatat that got mixed up with limbs of an ola. What do you do? So Rebbe Eliezer says, you burn it all on the Mizbeach. How can you burn it all on the Mizbeach? Well, the limbs of a chatat are not allowed to be burnt on the Mizbeach. So he says, no. The only prohibition is to burn them l'reach nichoach, based on the verse. It says, Yalamizbeach lo yalu l'reach nichoach. And then it says, and so in this issue about what you're not allowed to burn, it emphasizes to bring up for a pleasing smell. So he says, that's why you can offer them up and categorize it differently. L'reach nichoach You can't burn these stuff that needs, that should be left over. The limbs of a chatas, the remnants of a mincha, you can't burn it on the altar in the context of an offering of Reach Nikoah. Of Al Ata 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 Al
אבל אתה מעלה לשום עצם, you can offer them up as a type of a firewood. So the Mishnah says, how do you call it the Yezer? Fine, that's called the Yezer that gives you this way of getting it on the fire. Call it that it's not an offering, just call it fuel. El Rabban and Michael name, but for the rabbis, your designation doesn't matter. And so how can you offer this up? So I'm a Rav Nari, the Kamsi Shemini, fine, get fat people to do the Kmita. <laughs> <laughs> There's no solution. So the only way to do it is to get the person who does the Kmita to have so much like flesh and whatever that nothing is going to get between their fingers. Which is what I have. Like the contrary. Yeah. Yeah. What? Why is it contrary? I don't understand that. Why is it contrary? Quite the contrary. Quite the contrary. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Now that you've given that answer, even Rabbi Eliezer only allows you to make it fuel if you have no option. But of course we would prefer it that you do the Kmitz and there is no stuff between the fingers and the Gemara somehow thinks that if you get a fat person it helps. I do want to say one thing, we'll end here, but I do want to say just one thing, or maybe we'll go two more minutes, but I do want to say just one thing about this, about you do it for firewood. You give it the designation of firewood because you're giving it the designation of firewood, then if it really is the Komex, then, uh, then how is it considered a legitimate haktara? If it really is the comet. So, A, you have one of two options. A, you could say, if it really is the comet, then it doesn't matter what you designate it. If objectively the comet is being burnt on the altar, that's, that's good regardless of your kavana. Or, what Rashi says is what Michael says, which is you stipulate. If this is the comet, I want it to be for the sake of the comet. If the shirayim, I want it to be firewood. Now, that idea that you can stipulate what your intent is, is uh, questionable, right? We often say about you stipulate things, but that's not your intent. That's if you want something to take effect. Like, this sale will take effect. If A is true, the sale will take effect. If B is true, if it's not true, then it won't take effect. But to define the nature of what you're doing, like, what's your intent? What are you actually thinking about how you're relating to it? Well, how I relate to it is dependent on, no, you, how are you relating to it right now? So that idea that you can sort of stipulate what your kavana is is somewhat questionable, but that's what Rashi says. But again, the Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara just says you do it with Shum and maybe even if it is the Ketaris, your intent doesn't matter and it would still be maybe good. Yes. I'm a little confused. What's this whole thing about um, Bafatu is about Kosor or Devash? So right, because the drasha is, if you read the whole pasuk, it's um, the the, the drasha is kosher mimenu li. All right, let's just do that. I guess and we'll end with that. So what's the pasuk here? And then they go to the next. Page. Right. So the pasuk is right. I know teret mina minchal aronovav meishay Hashem kolin chasher takri menu lotes echamets. So kol the way it reads is anything that asher takrizu, anything that is left over. Um, no, actually, if you notice the phrase was, so it means, anything that's from it, you put an offering up on the altar, it was, and this is what is left over, that is the Baal Taktiru. So they forget the Seor means anything that's from it went up an offering to the altar, and this is what's left over, and that's the phrase of Koshamimenu Okay, we will end here. All right. Oh, what the apple was that? Uh, here, Menzayim. Is anybody driving that? Does Rabbi Solichik extend that principle on the suffix to every suffix? No, no, just Benet Matzah. Or one or two other interesting things that could fall in that category. But that's what makes it um, unusual, you know, that's that.